Welcome to Wisdom Personified, Conversations with Dudum Somi, a passionate and relentless pursuit of exploring how individuals use good judgment in everyday life, both in their personal and professional lives. Hello, welcome to another episode of Wisdom Personified, Conversations with Dudum Somi. I hope you are handling the lockdown well and enjoying the series that we're bringing to you. Today, I bring a very special guest, a friend of mine, Swama Zaiman. She's the Managing Director of BTS. Swama, how are you? I'm very good, thank you, Dudu. I don't know if I've ever asked you about which school you went to. Um, I know that you studied accounting and law at university. You went to University of Pretoria. but what were your favorite subjects at school and what attracted you to do law and accounting? That feels like centuries ago, it like is. a lifetime. And I, I suppose it is, right? <laughs> no, um, I loved history. I actually loved history. And it's uh, part of, partly because it was just incorrect at school. If you think about when, when we were, let me talk for myself, when I was in <laughs> high school, yeah. <laughs> it was still a very particular form of history that was taught at that stage, um, as a certain narrative. And I think what, what intrigued me was just to, to understand what the, what the real history is, what the different perspectives are. Um, so I liked history. Um, I got under the skin of my history teacher because I always had different things than what they were teaching. Where did you get your sources from? Look, my father was, was quite involved um, in the struggle, or at least were very interested in it. And um, he, he sort of gave us that sense of trying to question what's, what's going on. And then obviously, I mean, um, knowing that people were, uh, the group Areas Act, uh, I mean, you, you can't be unaware of these things, even though yeah. you might not have been on TV and so on. So uh, I think there's an awareness that, that my parents brought with us that we, we were just questioning. And yeah. so history was, was interesting for me. It, and languages, I guess. Yeah. I also had a teacher that was quite, um, quite, quite involved and quite in the know. And she, she always gave us a, a bit of a different perspective, which was, was quite nice if you think I was in a very Afrikaans school. Yeah, that explains a lot of you, you know, because I've always wondered why you're so different. But then you became an accountant. You studied accounting. Um, and then in 2005, you decided to come to Gibbs, where this is where we met, to come and do your MBA. Um, what inspired you to then change your career? And are you happy with the change that you have made? And did, was the MBA valuable in that change? I have quite a number of uh, brothers and sisters, and um, I, I looked after them a lot. I wanted to be a teacher, I think, because of that. Because, I, you know, I got them to sit still and I could preach to them and all of these kind of things. Yeah. <laughs> so I had a captive audience. So I wanted to be a teacher, actually. And then um, as I got um, interested in what was going on around me, I thought I must become a lawyer yeah. and you know, fight for human rights. But I realized that maybe, maybe that's not me um, to do it in that way. Um, and then I met my husband and I decided to do accountancy because he, he brought a whole different world and awareness to me um, that I haven't known before. So then I decided to become law, actually, and got involved in yeah, financial management. I was in, in the insurance business and so on. And I realized at some point that when I pick up a book, 
or I'd pick up an article to read. It's got nothing to do with what I'm doing at that stage. And I was just more interested in people. And I guess full circle coming back now to BTS, my MBA, a big part of that is just to try and figure out something different to do. I become more of a generalist, did some coaching courses, uh, decided to work in a very different space. And it's very rewarding for me. Yeah. I'm glad I made that. But full circle back to almost like a bit of a teacher. These answers and questions are significant for me because I have a lot of mentees that are stressed that they don't know what they want. That, you know, and the thing is that sometimes you just have to go with the flow, be a kind of strategic, but feel your way through. And it's okay. It's okay to, to go into different fields and study different uh, disciplines all of it at some point comes together and look at where you are, you know, happy place. Um, but while we were doing our MBA, you gave birth to a son. We all thought you were crazy and you still got several distinctions at that. How did you manage it all? Well, it was working with people like you, right? Um, <laughs> I was having a lot of fun and not, and not having a son. <laughs> Well, there was, a, there was a lot of fun before the sun. Uh, yeah. I remember us having quite a number of glasses of wine um, on the patio there at Gibbs. But yeah, it was, I think it was just a support structure and friends and people around me as well. Um, and it was, it was interesting. It was a really stimulating environment. And uh, I guess even more than the lectures were the, were the conversations we had as a group. Our diversity group that we used to have as a class. Remember that. Absolutely. And I think that also just inspired me to look, I'm always a bit of a student, right? I think I'll be a student forever. Maybe not necessarily a formal, formal degree or something next, just trying to learn. So it was interesting. It was stimulating conversation. It was interesting. And I, I enjoyed it. But there was, I mean, there were a lot of groups um, that worked together, that studied together, that uh, made notes together, that also helped. And then the fact that I, yeah, I was really interested in it, could spend some time on it. It was an interesting, magical group. I must say, I'm very fortunate to get into these um, networks. Uh, I mean, till this day, I enjoy everyone and we still keep in touch. Um, and you, you're right. An MBA is more about the people that are in the class with you and the discussions that we have. The piece of paper... I think it makes some impression, but I'm not too sure that it actually has the value necessarily these days that I would have liked it to have. I think the experience and the people I've met and what I took away from it, the learning I took away from it, what also was quite interesting is as we, as we were going through the MBA, I think we started questioning, and maybe there's some of that value also in it, that we started questioning even the business school. Yeah. But they, they helped yeah. us start to do that, right? So it yeah. was part of our learning. So we then interrogate them to say, what are yes. you in our house? Yes. And Gordon Institute of Business Science allows us that. It's uncomfortable yes. conversation. Absolutely. Have them. So now you're the managing director of BTS, as I say, and you focus on people side of the strategy. So the people side of strategy, which is uh, helping the world's leading companies turn strategy into results. What's most fulfilling about this role? I think partly the full circle that I came into inspiring and equipping people to do the best work of their lives. And I, I'm realizing more and more, it's not only to do the best work of their lives, it's to, 
to be the best they can be in their lives. And we've, I mean, recently, especially during lockdown, um, the work we've done and the feedback we've gotten from people and just saying that it's changing their life is, yeah, it's, it's humbling. It's, it's a privilege. It's really an honor to be in this space and to still be able to do, do this kind of work. Yeah. So what I like is the space we're in to help people sort of strategy. But I guess the most rewarding thing for me is just the, my team and what we've managed to achieve during this time. Because at the beginning of lockdown, it was unclear if we're actually going to survive as a business. Yeah. And the way that people have responded and have just embraced where we are at the moment and the work we do and actually still creating magic. Mm. So yeah, it's, it's, it makes me quite emotional, actually, when I think about that. So now if I have to ask you what your unique value proposition is, you know, I wonder what you're going to say is what I think is. What do you think you, what makes you memorable and impactful? I'm interested in finding something unique in each person that I deal with. And it's got a little bit to do with why I also, you know, started getting into those conversations at the MBA is because I think we, we're similar and we're different and every person brings something unique. And if I can, can find that and help people move forward in even just slight, a slight manner or a, a small step, then we can create better spaces for all of us to live in. Mm. So I guess that's, that's maybe, if I think about it now, um, that, would be, that would be one of the things that I would say. I think also your calmness, hey? You have this calmness, and then you're tall at that. So it's a, <laughs> that helps. It is an interesting combination. But what keeps you awake at night? I mean, what is of great, grave concern to you as a human being? I think it changes over time as well, although it, it, it might always have to do with the same thing. And it's, it's, it's tolerance, it's, it's harmony, it's, you know, just the different worlds we live in, even in our own country. Mm. And that even be more starkly exposed during during this time of lockdown. That we we can have even with my own team, we're looking into each other's homes. It looks very different. It's it's uh, we're almost getting a lot closer, but there's still so many people out there that don't have access. And I think just the the pace or the slow pace that we're actually achieving in in making a difference in South Africa is. is stays with me, top of mind. I think I was a bit of a, on that bandwagon already with the MBA and uh, <laughs> maybe yeah. still are to a certain extent. In June or May, I think it was June this year, you posted the statement on LinkedIn. You said, I am a person of few words, but realize that is no longer useful. So I would like to learn, understand and speak out more consistently. Let us find connections, build bridges, and foster inclusivity. Why did you write the statement and what were you responding to? So it was the whole, you know, what happened again, police brutality in, in the US, and I guess um, all around. I, I was just thinking that I've lived a lot in my life in my head. I think it's maybe also a little bit because I had parents that were academics. Uh, they were always intellectual conversations around me. And I, because I had a sense of awareness of what was going on around me, uh, I always shot down my own arguments in my own head and then I never spoke. So it's, I think what I decided also is to, to speak out more, to cultivate conversations, even if I say the wrong thing. I think I sometimes was 
you know, scared that I would say the wrong thing would offend people. But at the same time, I can't shape my own argument because it's a recurring thought in my own head. You know, it's like a train of thought that never gets out. So how do I get some of that into the public domain, into people around me? And we can, we can, we can sharpen our conversation. We can figure out what it, what it really should be. And we can learn from each other. Yeah. I think it's just a, it's just a more, maybe explicit way of learning and, and making learning more possible. So do you believe in the phenomenon of white privilege and how do you interact with that concept in your life? I think we can get stuck in concepts and definitions and explanations, but for me it's almost like we're all standing at the start of a race, we're going to run, but some people are weighed down by um, weights or whatever you can imagine. We're running this race and we, you get to the finish line and the the, the um, organizers are only there for a little bit to hand out vitamins and new energy and in, uh, information about the, the new race that will happen the next day. And if you're not in time, you don't get that information and the next day the same thing happens over and over again. So you're always, you're always behind. And if, you, if you're white, you get there first, get the information, you can go on to the next thing. And the the divide just gets bigger and bigger. So, you know, I've been in positions even even at the moment now where I am is because of white privilege, because of of being um, able to access things that other people don't. So I absolutely believe in it. It's a uh, you know I've travelled when I travelled in Kenya or, or wherever I've, I've thought about that guy next to the road and me. What's the difference? I was born in a different space by accident, right? And I just have access to so many things. And to, to actually then think that, you know, there any other reason for people um, achieving uh, different levels of performance is, is just not, not really working. Where does your ability feature in? Do you think your ability was nurtured by the white privilege? Because people will say, oh, well, you know, it's your own merit that gets you anywhere. I won't say I didn't work hard and all of those kind of things, but I had the platform to work hard in. I mean, everybody works hard. Most people work hard. But if you, if you don't have the, um, the steps of the ladder, then, then you, you're almost on, on a hiding to nothing. Yeah. So, you know, ability... The ability helped me do something because I was at the right place at the right time with the right context, with the right tools. And, and that's, that's white privilege. One thing I've always enjoyed about you is you don't take things personally. Um, you, we have long chats. Uh, we express our exp ex uh, frustrations as Africans. We express our pains that come from racism. I mean, you hear my accent and you'll think my life is amazing having gone to the schools that I've gone to, gone to, and I still experience racism. So it's not an sexism on top of that. Um, and then as an African in the global space, everybody thinks we are at the bottom of any ladder. Um, and yet when I have those conversations, you are never defensive. You never take anything personally. How do you evolve? How did you evolve to become such a compassionate human being? I think it's partly because I, I wanted to understand people more individually. I wanted to understand what made them tick. And then realizing that 
we're similar in some way and we're different in others. Um, all of us, if you take two people with a conversation, you know, we, we, we speak about diversity. It's actually, it's multiversity, right? There's so many different things that, that we need to understand and be able to deal with and, and to value in each other. And I, I guess as an Afrikaans woman from Pretoria, was an Afrikaans school, I even, I think it's a lot to do with compassion. And I had to, at some point in my life, also find compassion for, for people in my own space to understand why and how and where people come from and why they think how they think. I guess it's a, it's a constant search for understanding what people are going through and how they think. And that's why I guess, Dudu, for me, you know, I know the, you know, this, this whole thing of um, um, employment equity, of redressing the differences of the past, I, I think there's a lot of importance in it. Because before we actually can create a society where everybody has got the same opportunities, we first need to, to set, the, set the balance straight again. And I'm, if it means that we need to atone, if we need to atone for, for, for things in the past that, that, that people did, um, that look like me, that talk like me, that act like me, then I'm all for it. Uh, I mean, if you think about Madiba sitting in, in, in jail for 27 years, if I can do it even every 27 minutes, it, it would be a privilege. So we, we need to atone before we can, if you want to take the word atonement and make it at one minute, before we can do that, we need to atone. And I don't know, I think it's, it's difficult to explain, but it is a, I value people and I think I've, I've always been, as I said, played around in my head. I've been in the intellectual space and I've only in the last couple of years really been able to, to access that emotional register and connect with people on a very different level, which is very special to me and a, and a huge privilege. Just the question that I'm just thinking of now, when you think of the Africana, um, how do you try and reach that very strong patriotism that seems to also think I must exclude the other Africans and I'm superior to the other Africans? Because I think you one human being that can reach you you have you understand both worlds and what is it in that experience of being an africana that is preventing them from seeing the humanity in africans i guess in my makeup is also the the awareness that I'm not always entirely sure where people are coming from, even though I try to understand. So I would, I would be very loath to, to actually speak on behalf of or to try and explain. But I think there's a lot about fear, right? There's a lot about um, thinking that, uh, you know, what, holding on to things at the moment. Um, in the past, it might have been different. I think at the moment, it's, it's just about holding on to what, what, what people hold dear, yeah. that they think they might, they might lose. Um, how that makes you act um, if you fall into patterns of, of the past, yeah, I, I wouldn't 
wouldn't uh, presume to know exactly yeah. what, what it is. Something further to explore. I know we've spoken about it, um, so it's something to explore further. Um, we can talk forever as we, <laughs> we can. schedule our regular <laughs> catch-ups. Um, but before we close, uh, just what's still on your bucket list that you still want to do? What's on my bucket list? You know, suddenly it became travel anyway. <laughs> just like just any travel. <laughs> just to Joburg would be fine. No, um, <laughs> I think on my bucket list, it is fur furthering this conversation, do you? It's uh, exploring more of this and maybe understanding that we, we did make an impact one day. And I know that's not a that's not a real bucket list. I know there's this maybe travel and seeing different spaces and meeting people and having conversations. But I think for me, it's um, this lockdown has just made it up front and center again. The situation we're in as a country. So if if we can move at one inch, you know, some of these things move at glacier pace. It's like it takes generations. Uh, but if we can move it an inch, yeah. I'll be happy. To end our conversation now, what's the last wisdom? To what we were just discussing is to say, lay down your armor, you know, because to, to create conversation with different people, I need to lay down my armor and make myself vulnerable for people to trust me and also say, okay, I'll also lay down my armor. And um, then we can look for, for new and exciting spaces to be human yeah. together. In. You know, when I asked you to have this conversation, you said, Dudu, I'm so boring. You know me. I find fascination in the most unexpected places. And you've been one of those human beings. And I hope with this conversation, more people get to know who you are and seek you out. Because I think you're an amazing human being. And the more human beings that look like you and act like you, the better our world will be. Thank you so much for giving the time. I hope you enjoy that. Another conversation. Wisdom personified conversations with Didum Swami. Thank you for listening to this episode of Wisdom Personified Conversations with Didum Swami. Please also like, follow and subscribe to our channel and share the wisdom with your friends. I would love it if you could rate and review as well. Wisdom Personified, Conversations with Dudum Somi is also available on YouTube, Facebook Watch, Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify.